The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. Well, good morning. I believe this thing is on. I am coming from a new location. Well, not really new. From a different location that I've been coming to recently. I am Pastor Nelson Nisley. I'm Associate Pastor at Tower View Baptist Church. And I'm coming to you from my home. And I thought I brought everything home that I needed and I didn't have a tripod for my lights, so my lighting's bad. And you can hear my AC unit running. It'll quit here in a minute. So, there's all that. I'm a Associate Pastor at Tower View Baptist Church, Kansas City, Missouri. Welcome. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. This morning, um, there is no lie. Well, how should we say that? Nothing is happening at church this morning. There is no drive-in church. There is no outside church. There is no inside church. COVID sucketh. To make it a biblical term, it sucketh. And, and so we are not having any of that there today. So everything will be online. I am online as normal. I am just not at my normal location. So, um, hi Robert. Thank you for saying the light's fine. Um, so we are here. We are doing this. If you want to find out more about our church at Tower View Baptist Church of Kansas City, Missouri, you can check out our website at towerviewkc.com. You can check out our Facebook page, Tower View Baptist Church. You can uh, call us. You can text us on our church line, 816-368-1330. All that information will be in the comments later in this video. Um, so we have been going... Well, let's start with a word of prayer before I go on and start talking about other things. Lord God, I just thank you and praise you for all that you provide. Help us as we study your word this morning, Lord, um, to glean wisdom from it, to glean knowledge from it, Lord, to help us use it for our lives. We pray all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Good morning, Shirley. Um, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And we will continue on. Um, so... All summer, since the month of June, we've been going through the book of Proverbs. Well, we completed the book of Proverbs last week. And going through the Explorer Bible series for this quarter, the last two lessons for this quarter, for the month of October, or October, really? August. August, and we're in the month of August. Um, is in the book of Song of Solomon, or depending on your translation, Song of Songs. Many books in the Hebrew Bible were um, titled by how the first words of that are actually in the book. And so if you look at Song of Solomon, Song of Songs, chapter 1, verse 1, the first line is, the first verse is, the Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. And you think, that's a weird thing. Why would you call anything the Song of Songs? Well, think about other biblical phrases that we use. God is called Lord of Lords. 
king of kings. The, the, in the tabernacle, in the temp, the, in the temple, the most holy place was called the Holy of Holies. And so in ancient Hebrew, they didn't have the ER and the EST endings that we have in English. So they used a phrase. And so the, the holiest place was called the Holy of Holies. Well, this is the Song of Songs. This is the song that's better than all the other songs. This is the best song ever. The Song of Songs. And it belongs to Solomon. Solomon wrote it. And so we, here we are. We have this book called Song of Songs, which is Solomon's, which sometimes is translated Song of Solomon. Same book, diff, just different way to title it. It doesn't mean it make any difference whatsoever. Uh, probably Song of Songs is a little bit more accurate, but Song of Solomon is what I'm used to saying because that's what I grew up with. And, um, and, and so either way, it's the same way. But the thing is, if we picked up the book of Songs of Songs, and if archaeologists found it today, and it was by itself, nobody would think, hey, this book needs to go in the Bible. Because as you go through it, you cannot find a reference to God. There's one little bit of reference to God. But you don't find a reference to God in there. And, and when we read it, we think, oh my... This is in the Bible, because this is one of the books. This book of the Bible is at places kind of R-rated. No, actually, there's no kind of about it. It is R-rated. It's not something we 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 read in vacation Bible school for the kids. Um, there is rumors that you know this was some Jewish at different times in history. Jewish men couldn't read it until they were age thirty. And then we go with this book. What do we do with it? Because it's, it's a very romantic book. It talks about love. It talks about physical love. It talks about the, you know, what a man and a woman think about each other and how they look at each other. And so we think about this and we think, wow, what do we do with this in, in our world? And so as we go through this book, and, and this is a book... I, I really, it really needs to be read as a whole. It's not a book that you can take and just go verse by verse really easily because verse by verse really doesn't tell us a whole lot. It's a book you got to read as a whole. But even reading it as a whole, it's difficult to comprehend. It seems, as we read through it, that there are different people who are speaking. And so many translations including the one I'm reading, the CSB, and it depends on the translation, it depends on the publisher, um, will go through and, and, and do it like a play and say who the speaker is before they speak their lines. And so you have the characters are a man and a woman. The man seems to be Solomon. The woman is never named. She's called a Shumanite, but she is never named. And there seems to be a group of young men who speak. There seems to be a group of young women who speak. And there seems to be a narrator. But even at that, it's, always, it's not always clear on who is speaking and why they are speaking. There is no clear plot line through this book. 
If you read the Sunday school lesson, they give you some very, they seem kind of definitive things, but even that, that is not definitive. We have a hard time, scholars have had a hard time to do, figuring out what to do with the book of Song of Solomon. And so, theologians throughout the years have figured out other applications. They have figured out that, like, wait a minute, this really, because this book really is about physical love. It really is. And in our world, that is deemed, sometimes deemed bad. Um, think about the, the in church history through the Middle Ages. Celibacy was, was, uh, made better. Paul, I mean, when Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 7 says, you know, it's better to be single than to be married if you're going to be a minister, and the early church took that and ran with it and made uh, the, the pastors, the priests, have to be celibate. And so they celebrated celibacy. Even in America, we had the Shaker movement back in the early colonial days. They made great furniture, but their church died because they believed in celibacy, even in marriage. And so they had not not a great way to entice people to join your church, and you didn't your church did not continue, and it died out. Um, even in, and so one of the ways that um, theologians, both Christian theologians and Jewish theologians, have looked at this book is they turned it into an allegory. Marriage throughout scriptures in the Old Testament and in the New Testament um, uses marriage as a symbol. As, as a, a, a way to describe the relationship between us and God. In the New Testament, Jesus is the, is the groom, and we, the church, are the bride of Christ. And so people have said this is an allegory, describing the church and God, and tr the church and Jesus, and it's just an allegory how we should love each other. In, even in the Jewish theologians, marriage is a, a typology in the Old Testament where idolatry, worshiping idols, is described as adultery to God because God has married Israel, it chose Israel as his bride. And so both because they can't see this as what it really is. It's just a book about romantic love between a man and a woman. And people have a hard time coming to grips with that. And like I said, if we found this book by itself out, outside the Bible, we would never think that it goes in the Bible. But the ancient Israelites put it in the Bible for some reason. And then if you read in the Hebrew translations, I mentioned this last week, in the Hebrew translations of the Bible, the, book, the, book, the, the order of the books in the Bible are different. So it's Proverbs, then Ruth, then Song of Solomon. And so you have three books in a row that talk about the importance of women. You have Proverbs in chapter 31 where it talks about you know, the virtuous wife. And then you have the book of Ruth where you have the strong women of faith of Ruth and Naomi as they you know, go to survive and figure out how they can survive. And, and all of the descriptions there. And then you come here to Song of Songs. And here it is again. Here is a woman who is madly in love with her man and describes him in great detail. Not just his emotions, not just his character, but his physique. 
and what she wants to do with him. And so we get here, and, and throughout the Old Testament, marriage is celebrated. I mean, think about it. Rarely, we only have one prophet that we know of that was single, and that was Jeremiah. Jeremiah is the only prophet that is listed as single. Isaiah was married. He calls his wife a prophetess. We know about Hosea. God commanded Hosea to get married. Granted, it was a prostitute, but he was told to marry her. Um, we don't know about Elijah. It doesn't say he's married. It doesn't say he was single. Um, and same with the other prophets. It doesn't really mention that they're married or single. Only Jeremiah is specifically mentioned. But think about all through Genesis, all the patriarchs were always married. Every single one of them. Adam, um, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all, all, all 12 tribes of Israel, they all got married. None of them stayed single. And so marriage is just assumed and celebrated throughout the Old Testament. And so we have this book about marriage, about the love of a man and a woman for each other. And we get here and we go, what do we do with this book? What do we do with this? all these descriptions? And the thing is, it's a lot of these descriptions that we have, we really don't understand them. This book is a short book. It's only about 470 words long, depending on the translation, give or take. And of those words, 50 of them are words that are only used in this book. And so how do you determine what a word means when it's only used once in the whole Bible? In ancient Hebrew, we don't have a lot of writings of ancient Hebrew outside the Bible. We have some, but we don't have a lot. Ancient Greek, from the New Testament, we have lots and lots of writings outside the New Testament that helps us understand what words mean inside the New Testament and how words were used. We don't have that as much with Hebrew, ancient Hebrew. One, it's older. And two, it was only used in Israel, where ancient Greek was used throughout the Mediterranean world. And so we have words here. We don't know what they mean, so translators don't know how to translate them well. Um, and so we, we have this book, and what do we do with it? And so we're going to go through this book, and, and the word the, the verse by verse study is really it's not going to be really <laughs> expansive because it's hard to be expansive. So what I say, you, what you need to do with this book, if you haven't done it already, you need to sit and read the entire book all at once. It's only a couple pages. It'll probably only take you literally 10 minutes to read it. And that's if you read slow. And, and get the gist of it as a whole. Get the whole gist of it and see what they're saying about each other, what they're saying about marriage. Because as you read this, in chapter 1, verse 2, it says the woman is speaking. It says, Oh, that he would kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, and that your, for your caresses are more delightful than wine. The fragrance of your perfume is intoxicating. Your name is perfume poured out. No wonder young women adore you. Take me with you. Let's hurry. Oh, that the king would bring me to his chambers. 
And so we go through this book, and it's it's about this romantic love. This is description. I mean, physical description and physical yearning a woman has for her man. What do we do with that? And and so, you know, you know, my thought is, this is a description of 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 marriage, or or at least engagement. And it says, you know, the man and woman should desire each other physically. And that's not a wrong thing. And nothing in here talks about procreation, making babies. Okay? It just talks about the love and the desire they have for each other, the physical love, the physical desire that they have. And so in the lesson plan, we'll, we'll go ahead and follow the lesson plan. But in the lesson plan, we start in chapter 2, verse 15. In chapter 2, verse 15, it starts with a very odd verse, at least odd from our point of view. In chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, for our vineyards are in bloom. And we're like, what in the world are they talking about? I mean, we know what a fox is. Get that. And what, what are they talking about? The lesson plan talks about, well, you know, foxes can destroy things. You know, they go and they eat eggs, they eat chickens. You know, they're, they're um, little villains as far as farmers are concerned. They try to, try to steal your stuff. And, and they make it think, well, that maybe that's what they're talking about. They're, the foxes are something that destroys the marriage. And they may be right. But we don't understand the euphemisms of ancient Hebrew. I mean, think about it. Think about our euphemisms. If you got somebody that comes from another culture, that comes to America and watches our sitcoms, which half the jokes are more on, on any sitcom these days, are sexual innuendos, they won't understand them. If you make a reference to something about green M&Ms, and, and your wife or your husband, they won't understand what you're talking about. Because to some of us, green M&Ms, you know, we, we consider green M&Ms an aphrodisiac, which we know they're not, but we just talk about it that way. But it's a euphemism that we use, that we understand in American culture in the 21st century, but other people in other times and other places wouldn't understand that. Um, you know, we talk about a hot woman or a hot man. Well... That's a euphemism that we use today that we didn't use in the past. You know, you, you say that to somebody who's coming from another culture to, that comes to America and is like, well, do they need a cup of cold water? Do they need to go in the AC, cool down? Um, because they take you literally. And so we don't know what this is. What's the euphemism of foxes? So it's really interesting. So the Sunday School lesson plan has a couple paragraphs written about these foxes. And I got this commentary here that I used to study. Okay? And it's, it's called a technical commentary. So it tells me about the Hebrew words. It actually uses puts them in the Hebrew script, in, the, in, in Hebrew language. and tells me about those words. But when I read this commentary, in this big old book, and it's, it's for Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Song of Songs, um, it writes very little in the book of Song of Songs. There's hardly any commentary. Other than the introduction of the book, through the book itself, there's hardly any commentary. They'll write a paragraph for a group of verses. Where our commentator here in our Sunday school lesons is writing a, a couple paragraphs for a verse. 
And so here we have the scholarly um, commentary, and here we have one that's written for the common man, and they, they're, they're writing it very differently on what these things mean because we don't know. So that's why I said we need to read this as a whole. And so when we read a verse like 15, it says, catch the foxes, and we're like, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means either. I don't saying that the commentary in, in the Sunday school lesson is wrong, but we don't know that it's right either. I don't want to disparage the writer of that because he had to write something. But I'm just saying that we don't know that that's really what happened. That's really what that means. It's a guess. It might be the right guess. It might not. It might be some other sexual innuendo that we don't know about. Now, that's probably one of the most obscure verses that we have. As we read the other ones, they're less obscure. So we, we can talk about them a little bit more. So verses 16 and 17. It says, My love is mine, and I am his. He feeds among the lilies until the day breaks and the shadows flee. Turn around, my love, and be like a gazelle or a young stag on the divided mountains. We, these we understand partially because if, as you read the whole book, you, you, you get some of these word pictures. He feeds among the lilies. Well, we know from other places in the Song of Solomon, lilies is a, is a metaphor, is, is a word picture for a woman's breasts. Okay, so he's kissing her. Okay, and until how long? Until the day breaks, all night long. Until the shadows flee. This is an all-night thing. And she, her wants her, he wants her love to be strong like a young stag. And then once again, on the divided mountains. That's another euphemism for a woman's breast again. And so she's talking about herself and what he want, she wants her husband to do. Now, whether they're married yet or they're still engaged, we don't know. The lesson plan seems to think that there's a, a point within the Song of Solomon that they go from being engaged to being married. And I tried to find that point, and I can't find it. And that's another problem with this book, is it seems like, is, is this a, a continuous story? At places it kind of seems that way, and other places it doesn't seem that way. Or is this a collection of love poems that these two wrote each other, and this is just a collection of it? We don't know. It's hard to tell. And so that's why we need to read this as a whole and understand, you know, that this is poetry. But it's it's poetry between a man and a man. It's, it's like, you know, you don't read the love letters between, you know, when you were engaged to your kids when they're little. Okay, if you if you save them, if you wrote love letters to each other, you probably won't read those to your young, your five-year-old kids or grandkids. Maybe when they're older, they can read them, but not when they're young. And so we see this: the woman is talking, and 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 as we continue on in chapter three, verse one, we're in the book of Song of Songs. It, it seems that the woman is continuing to talk. So if you have subheadings that say man, woman, young men, young ladies, um. Those are added by the publisher and by the translators. They are not scripture, but that's their guess on who is speaking at this point. So it's it's an aid, but it's not specifically scripture. Um, they're you're using the way the words were written in Hebrew, 
because the way a woman speaks with the femininity and the masculinity of words is different than the way a man speaks. And then you have the singular and the plural. And we don't have that as much in English as they did in he ancient Hebrew. So that's where they're getting their guesses on who is speaking, is by just looking at the nouns and the verbs and the masculinity of those words, masculinity or femininity of those words. Um, and so that's how they're guessing. They're guessing that the woman is speaking here. And in just context, the way she is speaking, the way the person is speaking, okay? Um, you know, she's speaking in, about the other person to be in a young stag. Well, that's not the man talking. That's the woman talking. We know that. You know, my love is mine and I am his. Okay, that makes it kind of clear who's speaking right there. So continuing on, in chapter 3, verse 1 of Song of Songs. It says, In my bed at night I sought the one I love. I saw him, but I did not find him. I will rise now and go about the city, through the streets and the plazas. I seek the one I love. I sought him, but I did not find him. And so we get here, and it's like, what do we do with these? She's in bed, but her lover is not there. Are they married? Are they sing You know, already? We don't know. But she goes out and goes to look for him in the city at nighttime. The lesson plan says, well, she must have been dreaming, and this is a this is a dream image that she's having. Why? Because the idea of a young lady going out into the city at nighttime, even in ancient Israel, um, you don't do that. That's not a safe thing to do. And so it seems like that that's not what she should be doing. Um, especially if they're only engaged and not married yet. But it doesn't it's not obvious that's what happened. That is a guess by some commentators. It might be right. But it, there's no guarantee that it's right. We don't understand. Or is this just a poem that's just describing it? This is what I would do. If this was the situation, this is what I would do. That's a just as viable possibility. You know, she's daydreaming. You know, if I'm in my bed at night and my and, and my lover's not there, and he, I'm, I'm gonna go look for him. Or did this actually happen? We don't know. It's poetry. It's a song. And so we don't really know what where the situation is. But here in this part, this is what happened. She's going to go out looking for him. That's how much she desires him, is that she is willing to go out in the city and endanger herself to go find her man. That he is not there. She is going to go out in this and go out down to the streets and plazas. She's going to take the back streets and go look for him at nighttime. How many of you want to do that here in Kansas City? Let your wife go out at nighttime and just go wandering around trying to find something, find you. I wouldn't recommend it. So in verse in verse two, it ends as I will seek. At the end of it, it says, "I will rise now and go about the city through the streets and the plazas. I will seek the one I love." Then it says, "I sought him, but I did not find him." Verse three: The guards who go about the city found me. I asked them, have you seen the one I love? I had just passed them, and when I found... And so she, she asked the guards, the, the police, you know, have you seen them? Apparently they haven't. Verse 4, I have just passed them, and when I found the one I love, I held on to him and would not let him go until I brought him to my mother's house, to the chamber of the one who conceived me. So she finds him. She brings him home, to her home. 
and brings him to her parents' bedchamber where she was conceived. What's the implication there? The lesson plan says, well, she, he slept there and she slept back in her own bedroom. It doesn't say that here. It doesn't say where she slept. You know, they want to assume, you know, the lesson, they want to assume the best about her, but there, there's nothing in here that says that's what she did and that's what her desire was. But, but the implication, why would, why would you bring her home to the bedchamber where she was, and describe it as the place where she was conceived? Unless that's what you wanted to do. Okay? That's what a husband and wife want to do. And they should have that desire for each other. There's nothing wrong with that desire. And then we get to verse 5, and we get a, a warning. This is why we need to read this thing as a whole. Verse 5, Young women of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and the wild does of the field, do not stir up or awaken love until the appropriate time. And so this verse is repeated a couple times through this book. It says, don't stir up and awaken love until the appropriate time. So while this love for a man and a woman, a husband and a wife, is perfectly appropriate, don't stir it up until it's time. But what happens in our world today? We stir it up before it's time. You know, through the, just the jokes that they tell on sitcoms. Through the storylines of movies and other TV shows and books and novels, we stir it up before it's time. We celebrate, we celebrate this love in our world. It is celebrated before it's time. Well, if you love each other, or it's one of the ways you need to, you know, you need to do while you're dating to see if you're compatible. And scripture over and over, even in this lustful book of Song of Songs, it says, no, wait until it's time. You must wait. It's not just free that you can do it at any time without consequences. There is a time and place for this romantic love and for this kind of talk. And it's between a husband and a wife and not before. You can start getting there when you're engaged, but it's not before. And so here, she is warning those others, the, the younger women than her, wait, it's not time yet. Don't stir up love until the right time. And so we still, even in this book where it doesn't talk about God, it still gives you a godly admonition, admonition, counsel, the, you know, that this love, this romantic love, this desire that we have, this physical desire that we want and have for our husband and for our wife has a time and a place. It's not before that time. It's not before that place. And so as you read through this, you know, are they married? Or are they engaged? I don't know. Places it seems like they're only engaged. At other places it seems like they're married. But what, there is a time and place for this. And so we have to have the wisdom to understand that. We also have to have the discipline and the obedience to do that. And to keep from doing things we shouldn't do before the appropriate time. And so 
And so this young, so in, in here is, as a woman is charging the young woman that they must wait. How many young ladies are so desirous of having that relationship that they, they, they um, skip ahead of getting to know people, of going through things the godly way, and they skip ahead and it causes them pain and misery. And so here's a, an older lady, she's still young, but talking to the younger ones that you have to wait. But it goes to us guys too. Us guys, we need to learn to wait too, not to rush the woman. Not to rush ourselves, because you cause pain and agony and misery when you when you rush it, when you do things before their time. Because this is the love of a man and a woman, not the not just the lust. The lust is there, obviously. You read through this, is like a, there's there's definitely lust going on. But it's lust that's that's in bed with love. Okay, it's both. It's not a guy just saying, I love you, just to get his way. Girls, if a guy says, I love you, and it's just to get his way, that's not love. Okay, just because they say the words don't mean nothing. Okay, it's a long-term commitment. It's a lifelong commitment. And that's what this is about. And when you have that lifelong commitment, you can talk this way to one another. You can enjoy each other the way this describes being here until the dawn breaks. Okay, that's what the you know marriage is all about. That's part. Well, that's not what it's all about, but that's a part of what marriage is about. Is this physical love and emotional love that we have for one another? God gave us that. And so, well, isn't marriage just after the fall? No. God created Adam and Eve in the garden on in Genesis chapter one. He created the male and female, and it was very good. Not just good, like when he created the animals and the trees, but very good. In Genesis chapter 2, we see another explanation. It says that the you know, man and woman were a helpmate to each other. And they were unclothed and unashamed. And both of those were written before the fall. The fall happened in Genesis chapter 3. So marriage was instituted by God... Before the fall. And so marriage is a good thing when done for the right reasons to the right with the right person. It's a good thing when a godly man and a godly woman are together and committed for a lifetime. Whether you are in love before you get married or it's an arranged marriage, it doesn't matter. You make that commitment to each other. And, and it's a lifelong commitment that can be a joyous time together. As we read, the Song of Solomon is about a joyous time when they are together. And when they aren't together, they're miserable. And so we should desire that. And that should be our goal. And so guys, we need to figure out how to do this. Especially some of us un very unemotional guys. Um, figure out how to do this in the right way, in the right time. And ladies, you know, this is about, you know, you know, we are to satisfy each other. Men and men, women are satisfied men and men are satisfied women. And so we need to find a way to be satisfying each other, not just ourselves. And so that's what this book is all about. So we're going to look about it a, a little bit again next week through Song of Solomon.
but I urge you to read it as a whole. Read all eight chapters at once. And these are short. And these are even short chapters. They're not even long chapters. To read this as a whole and, and get the point all together as, as we go through this. So we're going to finish this up again next week. We're going to look at some more of, of this book next week. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord God, we just thank you and praise you for the love that you have for us. It's such a strong love. You describe it in marriage terms. And help us to have that godly marriage here on earth. Whether we are currently married, and whether we're newlyweds or been married for many decades, whether we are single or single again because of life circumstances, if we are single or single again, Lord, help us to follow your will, and Lord, and not rush things and not do things out of order. And not mess up your creation by our sins. Help us to follow your obedience, to wait when we need to wait. You are the mighty God, Lord, and these words are yours, not mine. Help us to read them as such. And we just pray these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Um, I see Judy there. And I see Shirley, and I know Robert is hanging around there somewhere. Um, I know Darren's there somewhere. I don't know who else is all there. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Once again, I'm Pastor Nelson Nestle at Tower View Baptist Church in Kansas City, Missouri. Come check us out. Um, today, August 23rd, we are not having any live services at, on, on site. So drive-ins church is not happening. Um, outside church is not happening. Inside church is not happening because COVID sucketh. Um, so everything is online today so check out our, our Facebook page check out our website you'll see the sermon is, was recorded earlier this week it is there the songs are, are, were recorded earlier this week they are there and, and the lyrics are there so I encourage you to sing, sing the songs sing them out loud um, listen to the sermon if you can put them up on your big TV great if you can't only do it on a small screen then do it on the small screen um but, you know, take a, a, a intentional time to listen and, and to sing and to worship. And so this time of COVID, this, this being apart, this is a great time. This is, one thing that we can learn is that we need to worship God alone. We also need to worship God together, and we miss that, and we need to have that. But we also need, it's not an either or, it's a both hand. We need to worship God alone. We need to worship God with our families. Uh, some of us has done that very well, and some of us have not done that at all, if, if, if at all. And so that, you know, it is true. You can worship God in nature, and you should worship God in nature. When you go out for a walk, absolutely worship God. If you're on the golf course on a Saturday, go absolutely worship God. We should worship God wherever we are. God, because God is everywhere. We should, you know, this says pray without ceasing. So we should be praying and singing and worshiping, no matter where we are at any times of day. You should be at work and they be go, "What are you singing over there?" Oh, what's a song that I know about God? You know, we should be irritating our coworkers with our, our worship. Okay, maybe even irritating our neighbors because we're out back on in, in the backyard singing out loud. You know, we should. You know, they irritate us with their music. We can irritate them with our music. Um, 
we should be worshiping God at all times in all places. You can worship God by singing out loud when you're singing with the radio or or, or whatever songs you have saved on your on your device that you're playing. Sing out loud in the car. Sing work songs of worship. Pray while you're driving. Keep your eyes open though. Um, there is no time to worship. So even though this time of of turmoil that our world is in right now with COVID and, and safety and security that we're worried about, pray that you continue to worship God at home in your place, in every place. There should be no place where we don't worship God. So if you didn't have that discipline more before, start getting that discipline. And then when we start meeting back in church, you, you keep that discipline and you worship God at home and you worship God at church with our brothers and sisters in Christ. So in today, so in the, in the notes there, it tells you how you can get in touch with us. Obviously, our, our website, TowerViewKC.com. You can call us at 816-368-1330. You can call or text that number, and somebody will respond to you. On the website, there is a place you can message us also uh, through Facebook. On, on our Facebook page, there's a way you can message us. Um, when you go to the website, you can you can see our emails that are there. there. So contact us however however you need to contact us and so i thank you for watching i thank you for listening um go back to our, our facebook page or our website you can find the songs if they're not there right now they will be there later today uh, you can find the sermons there both this week and previous weeks so thank you for watching thank you for listening have a great and blessed day god bless